Welcome to the Uncommon Church Podcast. Today, you'll hear a message from our pastor, Brad Carrington. We hope that it helps you to know God, grow strong in your faith, and do all that he has called you to do. Um, all of this year, we're talking about the seven areas that we're believing God to advance as a people personally, as a church corporately, into our uh, community. Uh, just to briefly recap the seven, uh, number one was to live a supernatural lifestyle, that all day, every day, we would live a supernatural lifestyle. Number two was evangelism, that um, Jesus said, man, the harvest is ripe. Would you please pray for more harvesters, that we as a church personally, uh, at our altar calls, that, that we would be um, better at harvesting souls and that we would all be better evangelists. The third thing kind of goes with that, and that is discipleship, that we would take our discipleship personally. We would get serious about growing as a disciple, and that we would get serious about discipling others. I think one of the problems that the churches don't ever get really strong spiritually or grow spiritually is because people don't disciple other people. They just want the pastor to disciple them, but that they don't turn around and to disciple anyone else. So I want us this year to really advance, to grow in our capacity to be discipled and to disciple other people. The fourth one is we're believing God to do great things in the next generation, in our, our babies, our toddlers, our, our little kids, our big kids, our teenagers, our college age. We're believing God to do great things in the next generation. I, and I gave you the stat last month, 85% of people that make a first-time decision for Christ, they do so before the age of 15. I'll say it again. 85% of the people that make a first-time decision for Christ do so before the age of 15. We have got to do a better job with our young people. Uh, the fifth area that I want our church to grow and advance in is in finances, that we would break off poverty mentality, we would break off orphan mentality, we would, um, we would be good stewards of what God has given us, we would handle well uh, the money and the resources that God has given us, that, um, that we would get out of high interest credit card debt, and that we would become a very generous people, that, that, that we would have, well, what did, it, what did the Lord just say in Exodus? That we would have generous hearts. I want that for our church. Um, the sixth area is in world missions. Uh, last year, we gave away more money to outreach and world missions uh, than ever before in the history of our church, uh, but we used to be a church that didn't just give, we used to also goad uh, before 2020, and I want our church to, to start going again. So go ahead and uh, pull out your passport, make sure it still works. Uh, if it doesn't, then apply for a new passport, get it renewed, because if you don't have a passport, you're telling God, I don't want to have anything to do with the Great Commission. If you don't have a passport, you're telling God, I don't care if people die and go to hell overseas. All I care about is right here in this country. And Maddie Capitillo is like, I can't believe Pastor Brad said that. <laughs> Maddie, get a passport. You're old enough to go on world missions. So um, the sixth area, I'm taking some teenagers on world missions this year. I don't, I don't care where we go, but we're going overseas. So um, number seven is that I wanna increase our influence in the city. I wanna increase our influence in our community. And, and I told you that too often, churches operate, even good, healthy churches, they operate at a place where if for some reason the church had to shut down overnight, nobody in the city would know, nobody in the city would care. And I don't want that said of our church. I want our church to have such an impact in the schools uh, with first responders, with the, the community and the poor. So um, we've got some very exciting partnerships coming down the road. Um, in just a couple of weeks, we're gonna announce some really fun things that we're doing with Six Stones and how you can get involved in that. So stay tuned for more. Today, I wanna go back to number one, and I'm gonna talk about living a supernatural lifestyle. And the reason I wanna talk about this, we owe it to the world to live a supernatural lifestyle. 
we have been entrusted with the kingdom of God in our hearts. So we need to not live in a shadow, live in a box, live in quiet. We need to live out loud. We, we, we need to, to, to demonstrate how good God is, how powerful God is, how loving God is, how real God is. And the funny thing is, humans have been created to experience the supernatural. And because the church has not introduced the supernatural to the world, we haven't shown them what the real is. The enemy has entertained the world with the counterfeit. People today, I'm always shocked at how much more society has degraded themselves in their fascination in books and, and entertainment and movies and TV shows about ghosts and witches and demons and witchcraft and horror movies and zombies and werewolves and vampires. Like, all of these things that are demonic power, it's because the church hasn't demonstrated anything supernatural. We haven't demonstrated the supernatural lifestyle. We're not demonstrating what it looks like to pray for healing and see miracles. We're not demonstrating what it looks like to cast out devils. We're not, we're not demonstrating what it looks like to give a prophetic word, or people don't know what, what God's supernatural power looks like, so we have, we have just inserted the devil's power instead, and then we've raised a whole generation of people, even in the church, that are entertained by the demonic. So the world is not afraid of supernatural power, the church is, and we would rather settle for the devil's supernatural power. The church has just been too afraid to live in supernatural lifestyle because we didn't want to rock the boat. Well, now the boat is sunk. I don't know why I got so hostile. <laughs> you know the, the, the analogy of, I, I don't know what kind of sick freak would do this, but you put a frog in room temperature water and then you slowly cook it and it's, it doesn't know to jump out. What, what sadistic person did that to a frog in the first place that we would have the analogy is my question. <laughs> We're the frog. And the church has become impotent, powerless. And the water's boiling. We didn't want to rock the boat. The boat sank. Okay, I'm super hostile, so I'm just going to go on my notes. Because whatever I was about to say probably wasn't going to sound super Christ-like. No, no, because you know me. If you want me to say it, because you want me to have to give an apology next week. So... <laughs> How can we live a supernatural lifestyle in practical terms? I'm gonna talk for 20 minutes, but I'm gonna summarize it right here. To live a supernatural lifestyle simply means we are living a life that is full and overflowing with the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. That's what it means to live a supernatural lifestyle. Why? Because Jesus did everything he did, fully God in the body of a fully human person. But you notice there was no miracles, there was no supernatural power until he was baptized at the Jordan River. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit came to rest on him. And then for three and a half years, it's all those recorded miracles, signs, wonders, miracles, demons cast out, walking on water, multiplying food, healing people. And then he, Jesus said, I'm gonna, he, he died, he was raised from the dead, and then he said, I'm gonna return to heaven. And then I'm gonna send you my spirit. Why? Because we are natural people that need the Holy Spirit to do the supernatural. So to summarize, whatever I'm going to say for the next 20 minutes simply means we need to live all day, every day, not just on Sunday morning for an hour, full of the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, full to the brim, so that when we go to the grocery store, when we go to school, when we go to work, it's like we're holding a glass that's full 
say, of grape juice or wine, and that we spill, and people are like, oh, you, you got Holy Spirit on me. It feels amazing. Some of you are like, that's not a scriptural analogy. Yes, it is, because I do this for a living. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18. Do not get drunk on wine. That's going to lead to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So there's something about being filled with the Holy Spirit that the analogy is it's like being drunk on wine. That word, I looked it up in the Greek, be filled with the Holy Spirit is actually a phrase. It's not one word. It's three words put together. And it simply means fill it to the brim. You know how like when you look at it, it's like, it's like overflowing actually, but it doesn't drip over the sides for some magical gravity reason? But the moment you lift it up, it kind of spills down the side? That's what it means. He said, don't get drunk. That's going to lead to debauchery. Instead, be filled to the very brim with the Holy Spirit. The beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit is if you're carrying around a cup full of Holy Spirit and you bump into somebody at Kroger and they're like, hey, I got Holy Spirit on me. That's amazing. Now I'm healed and set free. Your cup never gets less full. It refills. By the way, side note, if you didn't know it was a sin to get drunk, stop getting drunk. It leads to debauchery. Stop getting high. It's a sin. Some people, it was this couple that Josie and I were counseling. They were struggling in their marriage. They were brand new baby Christians, new to Jesus stuff. And they were like, she goes, hey, I think I read this, but I want to be sure. Is it a sin to get drunk? And Josie and I were like, yeah, it's in there like 46 times. How have you not, <laughs> how have you not caught this yet? And he was like, I knew it. Because our biggest fights are every time we're drunk. And I'm like, yeah, stop getting drunk. Stop getting high. It leads to debauchery. Debauchery is a word we don't use anymore. It leads to things that you wouldn't normally do, that God doesn't want you to do. Instead, instead of getting drunk, how dumb is that to get drunk? Instead, why don't you go out on a Friday night and get so full of the Holy Ghost that you go out on the streets and you love on people and you heal people and you live a supernatural lifestyle and people get set free. They would experience the love and power of God just from meeting you. Hey, I know we used to shake hands back in the old day. Somebody shook my hand the other day. I'm like, oh, that feels good. I just want to hold you. The, the double handshake, just because it felt so good just to touch another human being. But then when they're locked, walking away, they're like, man, I, my hand feels electric. I feel the power of God. All right, let me give you a few practical ways. I'm going to give you four, number one. And by the way, I'm going to give you four, like, there's like a thousand ways to live a supernatural lifestyle, but let's talk about four for a few minutes. Number one, live a supernatural lifestyle by the words that you speak. That's a way we demonstrate to the world that our lives are different. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak through you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, not just on Sundays. Your words are important, and you should speak life, you should speak encouragement, you should speak faith, you should speak hope, you should speak righteousness over everybody you walk into, but, but in... More than just that. Yes, you should do that. But people can't really experience the risen Jesus if you don't tell people what God has done in your life. So some of us are like, man, I'm so glad I found the Lord. I'm so glad I got plugged into this church. I'm so glad I'm going to that U group. My life is better. My heart is better. My faith is better. My, my marriage is better. My health is better. My finances are better. My everything is better. Tell somebody other than just me in church on a Sunday. People need to hear what God has done in your life. We, the church has been so quiet for so long that the world is one. 
Why is it important that we live a supernatural lifestyle with our words? Because what we say matters. We were created in the image of God. When God spoke, creation happened. When we speak, we create things with our words, either life or death. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 21 says, death and life, they're both in the power of the tongue. And I'm always shocked and honestly disappointed when I hear Christians, people that claim to be Christians, speak death over themselves, death over other people, fear, cursing, sickness, addiction, poor me, woe is me, that guy's stupid, I'm so stupid, oh, I'm an idiot, well, with my luck, I'm just gonna die young anyway, you're stupid, you're always gonna be sick, you're always gonna be an addict, you're always gonna be a loser, that government official that I didn't vote for is just stupid in a box of rocks, I don't know what person you were thinking of, <laughs> but out of the heart, the mouth speaks. The words that you speak create life or create death. So spirit-filled believers speak life or they don't speak anything at all. I'm a, I'm a gun guy. I, um, I like guns. Man, praise the Lord. That works in Texas. That doesn't always fly in California or New York. So. When you had any kind of weapons training, from a very basic you know, concealed handgun class to men and women that have served in the military that operate huge cannons and things, any kind of weapons training, you are taught to have the utmost respect for the firearm, the highest level of respect and honor, that you never fool around, you never play games, you never uh, treat a weapon of any kind or magnitude as if it's unloaded and not dangerous. You always treat a weapon as if it's loaded and dangerous especially if you know that the weapon is loaded. It's dangerous. Your mouth is a loaded gun, and you can shoot life or you can shoot death into a situation. So speak life or nothing at all. Your words have power. And if you have been speaking death over your life, death over your finances, death over your heart, death over your future, death over your, your children, death over your job, death over your finances, I need you to repent and pray that God would break off the curses that you have spoken. Too many Christians actually live under a curse because of the own words that they've spoken over themselves. All right, for time, we gotta move on. The second area that you can live a supernatural lifestyle is in wisdom, specifically prophetic wisdom, divine wisdom, the kind of wisdom that God would speak to your heart. We owe the world an encounter with God with prophetic wisdom, not just earthly ideas, not just things that we can understand in the natural, but that we would ask God for supernatural wisdom. James put it this way. If any of you at Uncommon lacks wisdom, just ask God. He gives generously to all without reproach. And that wisdom, it's gonna be given to you. So if you lack wisdom in a certain area, ask God, he'll give it to you. And then, of course, the Apostle Paul teaches that one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is, in fact, words of wisdom. Things that are hidden from the natural mind that the Holy Spirit will reveal to you. To the spirit-empowered believer, God will give you wisdom beyond the natural understanding. That's part of what it means to live a supernatural lifestyle, is that you're at work, and your boss is like, hey, team, we got a problem, we got to figure out this X, Y, Z thing, and everybody's like, well, we could do this, we could do that, we could try this, we could try that, and you're just like, 
Yeah, Holy Ghost, I just pray that you'd give me wisdom in Jesus' name, that I could make you famous. Because, hey, I just had an idea. What if we try this? And everybody's like, holy cow, way to go. What, what made you think of that? And here's where you go, oh, I don't know. No, here's where you go, I don't know. I just prayed and asked God to speak to my heart. And that's the thought that I had. That makes Jesus famous. We are told that we should create an encounter where the world can taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste is an experience. Seeing is their perception. We owe the world an experience with the risen Savior. We owe the world an experience that they would see God and perceive him moving in the lives of spirit-filled believers today. See, we have taught for years because we stole it from you know, Bill Johnson out in, at Redding, California, that we need to erase the line between the sacred and the secular. That, that we as kings and priests in the, in, in the kingdom of God, we that are, are, have been adopted as children into the family of God, that he is our father and we are children of the most high God, that our identity is not that of an orphan but that of royalty. So therefore, royalty isn't just royal when they're wearing their, their robe and their crown and they're sitting in the throne room. Royalty is royal 24-7. Royalty is royal when they're cutting a ribbon at a new grocery store. Royalty is royal everywhere they go. You are royalty in the kingdom of heaven. Everything you do is ministry. Everything you do is the kingdom of God moving in your life. Why? Because you're a spirit-filled believer. So there's no difference between the secular version of you at work, the secular version of you at school, then the sacred version of you that lifts your hands and your heart and worship. You're a spirit-filled believer. Everything you do is sacred. It's holy. Because you have been set apart and made holy by his Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. That also applies to wisdom. On earth as it is in heaven. The disciples were like, hey boss, teach us how to pray. He's like, no problem, pray like this. Daddy God, let your name be holy. Let your kingdom come right here, right now. At my job, at my school, at my grocery store. Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Everything that is supernatural, let it be released on the earth. Here's the funny thing. We often picture ourselves living in two worlds. Well, this is my, my, my world of the natural, and this is my world of the supernatural when I learn about God. God doesn't have two worlds. I'll even put it this way. God doesn't have a supernatural world. Because everything in the natural world to God is supernatural. Whether he is setting a drug addict free or healing a marriage or healing cancer or he's helping you find a parking spot closer to Target when it's raining and it seems kind of secular and stupid, it's all the kingdom of God being released on the earth. So he doesn't live in two worlds. We shouldn't either. You're mowing the yard? Make that supernatural, spirit-filled. Put some worship music on you in your iPod and just... Holy Ghost, pray in, pray in tongues for your neighbors to get born again while you're mowing the yard. You're doing your taxes? Put on some worship music and just declare the prosperity of God over your finances. Your, your kid comes to you and they're like, Mommy, I don't feel good. You touch their forehead and they're burning up. You're like, that's all right. Come on, baby girl. Let's go take your temperature while you're ripping in tongues and looking for the thermometer and putting it under their tongue and then you have to hold. Actually, I don't think parents hold thermometers under tongues anymore, do you? That's my children and the, like, I, my kids, you guys were the last generation of thermometers under the tongues. 
Now, parents today, they just look at the monitor that's hanging in their kid's room and it says, oh, Susie has a fever. And then the robot comes and gives two Tylenol and you go back to bed. It's amazing. You're, this generation is amazing. I used to have to hold a mercury glass thermometer under my tongue. And then when my mom would go downstairs to make me Earl Grey tea with sugar and cream, I'd hold it on the lamp to make sure it got nice and warm. Till that time I had a fever of 121. She was like, hmm, any chance you were holding this on the lamp? I'm like, yeah, totally. By the way, we used to have light bulbs in our lamps that got warm. Is that hard for some of you young people to understand? It's only been the last 10 minutes that light bulbs don't get warm. All right, going back to wisdom, supernatural wisdom. We need to cry out to God for supernatural wisdom more now than ever before. You own a business, you lead a business, you need to cry out to God and learn how to operate in the supernatural wisdom of God. <laughs> You're raising children, you need to learn how to live a supernatural lifestyle by crying out to God for supernatural wisdom on how to navigate schools and what your kids are learning. We, you understand the, the politics and the economy and we need supernatural wisdom more now than ever before. Supernatural wisdom is different than natural wisdom. Supernatural wisdom is kind of like x-ray vision. Like if I look and I'm like, here's a stage. I see carpet, I feel plywood. That's all I know. Supernatural wisdom's like, oh, I see the framing and the girders and the cross members and each individual screw and the glue holding the carpet down and every thread of the carpet. Supernatural wisdom is well beyond the natural understanding. It sees the complexity of a problem and then it reveals an answer that you didn't know in the natural mind. The spirit-filled believer living a supernatural lifestyle should be asking God for wisdom at the PTA meeting, at the doctor's office, when you're doing your taxes. Like everything you do, every aspect of your life should be full of supernatural power and wisdom. Number three, another area that we should live supernaturally is that we should live a blessed life. We should live a blessed life, and here's why. If we've learned anything from Facebook and Instagram and Pinterest over the last 10 years, it's that people like to look at other people's lives and then be inspired by them or judge them for terrible life choices. But most people, they're like, wow, look at the Johnson family having a vacation at that beautiful place. I, we, we probably make about the same money. I, I could take a vacation in that beautiful place. Look at Susie Q, I can't believe she lost all that weight. Susie Q and I are about the same age. We're about the same weight. I'll bet I could lose that weight. Man, look at the, look at the, the Martinez family. They started that business with nothing in their garage, and now they're making six figures. I've got a garage. I could do that. <laughs> look, at that look at that teenager with that duck-lipped selfie. I could do that. <laughs> people get inspired when they see other people doing it. Why not live a supernatural lifestyle where you live under supernatural prosperity? and then you make the source of your prosperity famous. And you're like, because of the Lord, I'm healthy. Because of the Lord, this business is working. Because of the Lord, my marriage is working. Because of the Lord, my kids know the Lord, and they're doing well. We make Jesus famous because we live in a, a blessed life. Psalm 67, this is important, you're gonna like this. Verse one, may God be gracious to us and bless us. 
and then make his face to shine upon us. Why? So that we could make your way known on the earth. So that your saving power would be known among the nations. Lord, bless me. Give me your favor. Shine on me. Prosper me so that other people can get saved. Not for my benefit, but so that I can make you famous to my neighbors. Prosperity in the life of a spirit-filled believer living a supernatural lifestyle according to the power of God will not just transform your life, it'll transform the lives of the other people that are watching you. But it's, it's, it's something that has to be noticeable. It has to be measurable. There has to be a mark in your life, a before and then an after picture, where it's almost like somebody runs into you that, like, oh my gosh, hey, I haven't seen you in, like, what, has it been a year or two? Why do you look different? Why do you look taller? Why do your teeth look whiter? Why do you seem so much happier and confident and joyful? And why do you have nicer shoes all of a sudden and that great watch? And it's like you're a totally new person. I don't, I don't know how to describe it. It's like you've been born again. What happened to that, that, that sickness you used to struggle with? Your whole life you struggled with that thing, but now you seem like you've totally been healed. If I remember, you were in super crazy debt and you were poor and now it's like, I don't know how to describe it financially, it looks like God has somehow opened the windows of heaven and blessed just you. You're like, yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you how. When I say the word that we're blessed, when I say words like prosperity, everybody sees dollar signs, like Scrooge McDuck. Supernatural prosperity is financial, but that's not prosperity. It's that you walk and live in health, that you live a long life, that you're full of joy, that you're full of peace, that you're full of hope, that you're full of wisdom, that your marriage is good and your kids are good, and that you have an identity that is rock solid as, as kingdom royalty, that, that, that when people hurt you, you forgive and you release that pain. Oh, and also financially, that you're blessed financially. I mean, why would you want to prosper in only one area of life, like money, when you could prosper in every area of your life? God will open the windows of heaven, and he'll bless every single aspect, every area of your life. That's living a blessed life. And what does that do? That's supernatural living. That makes Jesus famous. Let me put it this way. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, Uncommon Church, you guys are like the light of the world. You're a city that's set up on a hill. It can't be hidden. Uh, let's leave that verse up for a second. I know that you guys don't understand that one word, um, hill, because you live in North Texas. <laughs> Yesterday I was in Colorado, and um, they have these things, it's hard to describe, they're called um, mountains. <laughs> and they just shoot up like 10,000 feet. But the interesting thing about a mountain is that you can see all the lights up on the side of the mountain. And even if it's just a little campsite and they have a couple little LED lights around their little tent out there in the middle of the trail, you kind of squeeze your, you're like, oh. When you're full to the brim with the Holy Ghost and you live a supernatural lifestyle, other people can be like, huh, you see that? That family looks different. They act different. It's like they're a city, but up on a hill where everybody can see it. They have the light of the world living on the inside of them. Verse 15. Also, Jesus said, people don't light a lamp and then put it under a basket. They can put that light up on a stand so that it gives light to the whole house. But for like 50 years, the church has been like, we have the light of Jesus. Let's just keep it hidden in the church. My precious. 
about going to hell for watching that movie. I, I, I already talked about that. We have kept this, this, this Jesus a secret. When we're supposed to be a light on a hill, we're supposed to be a light to the community. Verse 16. In the same way, Uncommon Church, let your light shine before others. Why would we do that? So that they're gonna see your good works and they're gonna give glory to the Father in heaven. We should live a supernatural blessed life publicly so other people can get saved. Our lives should publicly testify that he has forgiven us of our sins. Let that light shine, but don't stop there. We should publicly testify that the, the, the light and power of the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us, and that's why we walk in joy, we walk in hope, we walk in favor, we, our marriage is better, our, our faith, our finances are better. And then we are willing to tell people why. All right, let me, let me wrap up with this because for time we gotta land this plane. Living a supernatural lifestyle will impact the world for Christ. But that, what that means in a super practical way is what we do on Sunday, you at church, you do at home on Monday, at work on Tuesday, with the dinner table with your kids on Thursday. You do it at the, the, the coffee shop on Friday. We, we worship here on Sundays. Every spirit-filled believer should be worshiping all day, every day. You should have Spotify playlists at work, in your car, in traffic, at home. We pray for people here on Sundays. Living a supernatural, spirit-filled lifestyle means you pray for people wherever you go. You definitely pray for, I mean, don't be obnoxious and like break the rules. Like you clock in and you're like, I'm just gonna start praying for people. No, like do your job. <laughs> but when you're in the lunch break room, and the person sits down next to you, hey, how was your weekend? Oh, man, it was terrible. You know, my so-and-so and car wreck or the cancer or the death in the family, and I don't, I'm just going through a hard time. This is the part where you go, sucks to be you. That's what the church has done for 50 years. Spirit-filled believers should be like, hey, I don't know if you know this, but I'm, I, I'm a strong believer in Jesus. Do you mind if I pray for you right here, right now, that God would, would touch your heart? And they could go, no, F you, which is fine. That's fine, who cares? Or they could be like, you know, I'd really appreciate some prayer right now. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for my, you see what I'm saying? Just put a hand, and then just begin to prophesy over them. I mean, don't be weird about it. And also, let me just give you a super, super practical. Men, generally speaking with men, women, generally speaking with women. I don't know why there's too many creepy men that only ever have prophetic words for young, hot women. Like, don't be, a, don't be weird. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that or not. My wife's not here, so I can say whatever I want. The Holy Spirit is healed. Living a supernatural lifestyle should be like a progressive meal. You know, you start out at one restaurant, you have an appetizer. You go to the next restaurant, you have an entree. You go to the next restaurant, you have a second entree. You go to the next restaurant, you have dessert. That's what living a supernatural lifestyle is like. It's like, well, while I'm brushing my teeth, I'm gonna encounter God here in my bathroom. And then at the kitchen table and having breakfast, we're gonna experience, we're gonna have worship and prayer. And then when I'm driving to work, that's when I'm, I'm really gonna like press in and just, I'm gonna rip in tongues for a whole 30 minute drive. And then at work, I'm gonna do my job. But then at the break room, I'm gonna be a prophet and I'm gonna pray for people and love on people. 
Believe it or not, you have the right to do that. You're allowed to do that. Believe it or not, the men and women that created, let's be honest, the men that created this country did so so that we would have stronger protection of our religious freedoms and that the government couldn't stop it. We would have more God in our schools, more God in our government, more God in our nation to protect those religious freedoms, which the church has given up in the last 50 years. But until it's illegal, which is probably coming very soon with certain administrations that are very anti-godly things, you have the legal right to have a Bible at work. And on your free time, when you're not supposed to be working, you're allowed to read it. Now, please don't open your Bible and wear your uncommon shirt and then look at porn on your work computer and talk trash about somebody and, and, and gossip about somebody or go get drunk or high with people at work after work. Like, don't make Jesus look stupid either. You know what I'm saying? Hop up on your feet. I want to pray for you. I was thinking of parents when I wrote this message. People often look at Josie and, and I and we're like, we're raising kids, you raise kids. We had teenagers, you have teenagers. Now we've got young adults. How did you do it? We expected them to live a supernatural lifestyle. So we modeled it first in our hearts and then we led them. You taught your kids to walk. You taught your kids to talk. You taught your kids to go potty on the potty. You taught your kids to tie their shoe. We taught our kids to lay hands on the sick and pray for healing. We taught our kids to read their Bible every day. We taught our kids how to prophesy. We taught our kids how to speak life and not death. You have to be intentional about teaching the next generation how to live a supernatural lifestyle. Oh, and by the way, we happen to also try not to be hypocrites. Where you claim on Sunday morning to be, yeah, supernatural lifestyle, praise hallelujah. And then you, you live like a heathen at home or in the car driving home. If you want your kids to backslide in college, be a hypocrite. If you want your kids and your grandkids to go to hell, be a hypocrite. But if you want your grandkids to become missionaries and pastors and evangelists all around the world and right here at home, then you need to start taking your supernatural lifestyle seriously and not have a church version of you and a home version of you. All right, let's just land this. I have more notes, but I'm, I don't know why I'm so hostile today. I get so mad when the church doesn't act like the church. I get so mad. I'm not, I'm not saying we occasionally struggle. Like, we all occasionally struggle. Like, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about habitual lifestyle of being terrible at home and pretending to be Jesus-y at church. Just pick one and stop doing the other one. I'd prefer if you pick the Jesus one. But I'd also, because of the sake of your kids and your neighbors, I'd also be just as happy as if you decided to stop pretending the Jesus stuff and just decided I'd rather go to hell. And I want my kids and grandkids to go to hell. And I want my neighbors to go to hell. Like, at least you'd be honest instead of lying to yourself. Let me also just deal with religious people for a minute. This is in my notes. You can't live a supernatural lifestyle and expect to understand everything all the time. 
You can't live a supernatural lifestyle and expect your natural mind to comprehend everything. That's not faith. Yes, we study the Bible. Yes, we learn the gifts of the Spirit. Yes, like we try to get God. I'm not saying we just act stupid and brainless. But you're never going to arrive and feel fully comfortable with the things of God if you only understand God from a mental understanding. Because when I read from Genesis to Revelation, God took regular people and then he asked them to do supernatural things that asked them to step into impossible situations. You can't tell me that Abraham and that Joseph, that um, Joshua, that Daniel, that David weren't occasionally a little bit nervous, heart racing, sweaty palms, butterflies in their stomach, mom's spaghetti on their sweatshirt. Like, you ha you, there's, there's times when God asks you to do things that are beyond your natural understanding. And if you look at your Christian life and you've never done anything for God that puts butterflies in your stomachs or, or makes your, your, your heart race faster, your palms sweaty, you're not living a supernatural lifestyle. So stop trying to pretend. You're living a nice, safe, boring, not spirit-filled lifestyle. And you have a natural mental understanding of the things of God. You might even be on the prayer team or lead a you group or like be a leader. You have a Bible study at work on Mondays. But if you've never gotten a little bit nervous and a little bit excited about jumping out in the supernatural, then please don't expect the world to be transformed. It takes great faith to do what great men and women have done before us. And our faith pleases God. So the bottom line is living the daily supernatural lifestyle is never going to work if you simply try to add God to your life. We have to make God be the only thing that we do. Does that make sense? And there's obviously more than four areas to live a supernatural life. I give you four things. You can, you can add gasoline to anything and set it on fire and it's gonna burn. You know what I'm saying? So like any aspect, every aspect of your life, everything you do, you can add Holy Ghost gasoline to and get near the fire of God. Just set yourself on fire and watch, people are gonna come watch you burn. I'm speaking figuratively for anybody that doesn't get the analogy. Living a supernatural Christian lifestyle full of the Holy Spirit to the brim, overflowing, bumping into people that they would feel and experience the goodness of God wherever they go. That starts with dying to sin, dying to fear, dying to your old life, dying to yourself, and asking Jesus to forgive you of your sin. The Bible calls it repenting which actually means to change your mind, change the way you think about your life and about sin, to make a 180 degree turn. I was, when I was a youth pastor, I used to say, kids, you gotta make a 360 degree turn. <laughs> I'm in sin. Jesus, I'm back in sin. <laughs> well, I just described the American church. <laughs> That's repentance, is to make a 180 degree turn away from the things of this world away from sin, away from fear, away from death, and that you would surrender your life to Jesus, that you would ask him to fill you with his Holy Spirit to the very brim till it overflows, that you would represent Jesus, re 
present Jesus wherever you go. That every time somebody meets you, it's like, I just feel like I met Jesus. I just feel, I feel good. I feel like everything's gonna be okay. I know that the world's going to hell in a handbasket, but because I know you, I feel like everything's gonna be okay. You're like, well, you just encountered Jesus. And no matter what happens on the outside, if you've got Jesus on the inside, everything is gonna be okay. If you're here this morning or you're watching online with every head up and every eye open, if you need to get right with God, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. Now, it has to be your prayer. I can't pray it for you. All I can do is lead you. You have to believe it in your heart and then pray it out loud. In fact, why don't we all pray this prayer together? If, if you believe this, and those of you that are watching at home online, I, I want you to pray this out loud. If you believe this prayer, about repenting of your sin and asking Jesus to forgive you and being the Lord of your life, would you pray this prayer with me? Say, dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. I do repent and surrender my life. So wash me and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Holy Spirit, come and fill my life. Fill me to the very brim that I could demonstrate your love and power to the world around me, to make you famous. Thank you so much for loving me, for forgiving me. In Jesus' name I pray. If you agree, say amen. I'm curious, if you prayed that for the first time or the first time in a long time and you meant it, would you raise your hand up real high? Just shoot your hand up and say, preacher, I, I see your hand. Is there anybody else? Just shoot your hand up real high and just say, I meant that prayer. I see your hand over there. Yeah, anybody else? Good, 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 good. Yay God, yay God, yay God. Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Church Podcast. If this message has impacted your life, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. And for more information on our church community, you can click the link in the description or visit uncommonchurch.tv.